Bell Choir. Thank you, Jill. Thank you, Cora. Uh, the, the, the prelude's one of my favorite. That Alleluia piece that was there. Yeah, one of my favorites. Thank you. Uh, for for that and thank you for just leading us and uh just the uh the, the continued aftershocks of the resurrection as we sing and play and that's what we'll talk about um uh here th- this morning um uh my name is uh, Drew Smith. I have the honor of uh, getting to be the pastor of the Church of Jesus Christ that meets here at College Hill uh, Presbyterian, um, a part of uh, God's community of those who he's formed in the power of the resurrection throughout history and around the world. And our little piece, our little grain of sand of God's people uh, together. Uh, Now, today, again, in the aftershocks of the the resurrection that we've been singing about and hearing about and feeling um, in the music uh, today, uh, we're going to look uh, at, well, so what? So what's the the purpose now? What what does that resurrection do? What is is God leading us uh, to do? What what is uh, the impact of the Resurrection in our lives. I remember, it's important to understand in that purpose. I remember one time, this was a long time ago, Hannah, my oldest, uh, who was a child, and she was in the, the playroom and she'd gotten all the chairs in the room and lined them like in two rows, um, uh, that were, uh, just front to, to back, you know, sort of like a pew, but just the, the, uh, the chairs. And, and then she had the kitchen in there and, but everything else was out of the way. And, and I'm watching, I'm like, what, what's, what are you doing? What's the purpose here? And she goes, Oh, daddy, we're, we're flying to Florida. And I'm like, Oh, they're in rows. They're the aisle. And she's the stewardess fixing food and then taking them the, the, the food. And once you know the purpose, then it's like, ah, Okay, it all makes sense. Well, what we'll see um, today and, and for the next several weeks, we're going to be revisiting and looking at how our particular church has a vision that we think is what God's purpose for us that we say regularly every Sunday, that we, we honor God by growing a diverse community of Jesus followers. We honor God by growing a diverse community of Jesus followers. Well, today, what we're going to look at first is that the, the most important word or phrase, two words actually, uh, in this um, phrase is that we want to honor God in all that we do, in everything that we do. We want to honor God in, in Christ as followers of Jesus, as Christians. Our purpose is to honor God in all that we do. And the resurrection impacts us in such a way so that now it empowers us, it renews us, it calls us together in the power of the risen Christ so that we honor God in every way. Um, our passage that we're going to look at uh, in a moment is 1 Corinthians 6. We'll look at sections of that. But I just want to highlight two of the, or three, three verses in this passage that are the point of this. What I understand that in adult education, you really, you only, only have the first three or four minutes 
And then adults, man, they're ADHD. You know, they go, and maybe you get them for the last minute, or then you throw something in there in between to try to get them. So if nothing more, for those of you who just want you to hear and, and get the ultimate point of the passage um, today, because it's, going, it's a challenging passage, it's controversial in some ways. That might get you. You'll, now you're going to listen, wonder what was controversial. Uh, you'll, you'll see. It'll be obvious. Um, but 1 Corinthians 6, 11 and 19 and 20. And such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. And then 19 and 20. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Judged by you, are you incompetent to try trivial cases? 
not know that we are the judged angels. How much more, then, matters pertain to this life? So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to your shame. Can it be that there is no one among you wise enough to settle a dispute between the brothers? The brother goes to law against the brother, and that before unbelievers? Have lawsuits at all with one another already defeated for you? Why not rather suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? When you yourselves wrong and defraud even your own brothers. Now, big picture here. The, the basic theme that Paul's getting at here is that we honor God by pursuing reconciliation with one another in the church. We honor God by pursuing reconciliation with one another in the church when there are grievances, when there are issues, when there are troubles, when there's conflict between us. We honor God by dealing with it with one another. Now, in Corinth, it's a hot mess. It is a hot mess there, and there's obviously something going on between the members in the church, but where they got probably in some kind of dispute of a financial transaction, maybe some kind of property issue. But later on, he talked about swindlers and thieves. And it's not a capital case, it's, it's a trivial case. That's what he accepts here. You know, these kind of cases, they have some kind of dispute among themselves, and instead of Dealing with one another, they decided to go to the Roman courts. And Paul said, Don't you realize who you are in Christ? You realize the power of the resurrection? That if you will one day be judges over the earth, one day you'll be judging angels, he said. And that that's what we know will be true in the day to come. So, how can we then just figure out how to deal with these trivial things among ourselves? That's what's true of the resurrection. Deal with those among yourselves. But instead, but he highlights here that he's adamant here. He gets right. He, he shames them. He does put stick his finger out at them. And shame on you that you're so focused on your own, demanding your own rights, that you're demeaning one another and demeaning the church before the community around you. Would it have been bad? He just let it go. Better let love cover most of Then he makes such a big deal and becomes such a distraction in the church and is really diminishing the good news of the gospel to the world around it because you're not doing that good work in the church. Alright.
do harm. But so he's not denying that. It's also not a blanket statement that we never take another person to court. That, that's not what he's saying. What he's saying is, in everything you do, honor God. And so there may be times when you need to honor God by taking people to court. For example, this is what I was talking about. The church has done a terrible job. We've misapplied this passage, and we've allowed pedophilia, sexual abuse, usually by men who take advantage of women, and we hide it in the church. We don't deal with it. We hide it. Sort of saying this way, we don't want to put this out before a bunch of people. That would be a bad testimony to the church. Well, the, the point isn't to make a bad testimony to the church. The point is to honor God in all we do. And when there is criminal behavior that is abusing other people in the church, then we need to say, stop and we need to bring it before the court system so as to lead the way and say, we don't do that. Don't hide it from ourselves. And we've had plenty of cases in the last five years in the Christian church in the United States where we've done that. So he's not saying that not a blank church, not a blank statement, don't take anything to court, hide everything in the church. That is not. We, we don't protect the church as an institution. Not our focus, not our purpose. Our purpose is to honor God And we know God's never honored when evil continues to go. It's just swept under the rug. His point here these personal conflicts, these personal issues, these trivial cases. Why make such a big deal? Why demand your rights to let them go for the sake of pursuing reconciliation? Honoring God in our relationships with one another. You know, as I, I think about this particular passage and the principles that are here, I, I love um, uh, some of the things that I get to experience here. And, and since we are a diverse community of Jesus followers, and how it takes work to be unified. Come from such different backgrounds. And I know there's a few folks here who they have a preference for what particular service they like, what particular kind of music, what particular space they like to be in for, for worship. But every couple of months, they'll, they'll sacrifice and they'll come to church for two and a half hours. Uh, no, it's amazing. They'll come two and a half hours because they want to be here for the whole month. They, they, they're willing to, to sit through one of the services that may not be the purpose because they love the people that are there and they want to see them and they want to be with them. And that just blesses my soul and it honors God. Because you're saying, I'm, I'm practicing, putting aside my own personal privileges, my own personal preferences, my own personal rights in order to go and be with all the gathered on Sunday morning. And, and even more so, been blessed by people who hurt one another in the church. And they don't gossip about it. They don't, they don't just tell other people. They don't, they don't try to gather a team that will defend them. They, they, they belong to a couple of trusted leaders in the church. These are significant uh, issues. They belong to a couple of pastors for the session. 
They shared it there for the purpose of reconciliation. They engaged with counseling like living hope. They walked with them to pursue reconciliation. And our act is a relationship that Because they recognize they honor God by pursuing reconciliation with one another. Instead of pursuing winning the battle, losing and surrender committed to God and another pursuing reconciliation. At great cost. They, they pay the price. God, we honor and act We honor God. We honor God by pursuing reconciliation with one another and each other. So that corrects the notion that the church, that we treat church like a consumer. We would just come to church for our religious goods and then leave. Church is a community. And, and what really honors God is our relationships with, with one another as we are bathed in the crucified, risen Christ and power by the Spirit. Right. Um, the second, the, the second is uh, first Corinthians chapter 6, 9 through 11, and then 19 and 20. Now, just uh, before we go there, I just want you to, want you to hang with me. As you'll see as we read through it, some of you will turn off. Just hang with me on, on this. And then at the end, if you want to turn off, then go up the right hand. Please hang with me. Right, starting with verse 9. For do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers. Nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you, and you were washed, and you were sacrificed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. For do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? You have from God. You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. In summary, what we see in this part of the passage is that we honor God in our obedient actions. We honor God in our obedient actions in our lives, with our bodies. The specific example that he gives here is about human sexuality. And that's, yes, that's the, the controversial part. I mean, I know, uh, and as I unpack this, um, I know folks who do not attend here because they disagree with what we understand to be God's purpose for human sexuality. I will get a call every two months, and that's the question that people ask. What do you believe about human sexuality? And that's the answer to the church or not. So I'm going to disagree with any of that, but just say that's how controversial, how challenging this particular point is. All of the reason 
every once in a while, come back and visit and be clear about this is what we need to God's heart. This is what we believe needs flourishing in our relationship. This is what we believe honors God. And Paul here presents a rather relatively clear boundary. He says, these are the things that are out of bounds. And those typical things in that list are related to human uh, sexuality. First, the sexual immorality, which uh, I think what he's saying there is the same word that he uses elsewhere in terms of fornication, where two people have sexual intimacy who are not married. They have sexual intimacy with one another and they're not married. That's sexual immorality. That's fornication. Now I'm going to use the word sexual intimacy. Because there are little years that here, here, or maybe on the line, on the line, and mom and dad already there watching your kids. You can explain that to the kids, however, that's you need, which you not have better hiding from up here in this day. But I think the adult here understand. The other boundary that he makes, sexual intimacy is the word culture. Sexual intimacy um, is uh, uh, not, if you're married, you're not have sexual intimacy with anyone but your spouse. And we understand and then the third, the third is the sexual intimacy is for people of the opposite sex. So those are the boundaries that he says here. We understand from this and other passages that God's intent was a gift of God's sexuality that was given to protect in a man and a woman marriage. Now, part of that, I didn't read in the past, you go and read through that. Paul was talking about having sex with temple prostitutes. It was a practice in Corinth. He's addressing that specifically. And the point in, in sharing this is what's happened is a misunderstanding of the resurrection. There's a, a notion that the resurrection that it sort of hyper spiritualized life and that our body is now secondary. It's really not important. And that's what Corinth was practicing. They were like, well, you do what you want to do with your body. You can arm it, you can pleasure it, it's for the secondary. First thing we have to be clear is we want to honor God in 
our sexual bodies. And, and that means not having sex with one another when we're not married. And then if we are married, only having sex with our spouse. So as a church, we do want to develop healthy ministries that continue to celebrate singleness and marriage and support them in this pathway of following Jesus. That is why we do the ministries that we do and why we partner like Living Hope and Design and Attempt Ministries. That we in no way that which has been a temptation in the church, no way we want to say marriage is more important than singleness. That somehow being single is a just a, a rumble, you just have to reach that goal enough. We want to affirm marriage and singleness equally. And to make clear, this is God's design. The intent and design for healthy human sexuality. So I imagine there will be people that are well, and understand this. This is weird. Actually, for some people, by talking they get really angry. And they get really angry and say that it's actually harmful. I haven't found that. I haven't seen anything that, uh, that shows that it's harmful. I think they do why it's harmful. I have no way uh, share this. I think that everybody's going to agree that every part of their people aren't going to get angry. But I'm just being a God's purpose. But if you find yourself in a relationship with, with someone where you're out of the bounds, you gotta say, hey, this is the best for you. But I encourage you, I challenge you, I beg you. You deal with the text. You say, is this what God, you, you make it clear to yourself, is this what God says is right and best for him? That one is the best God. If you come to the same conclusion, God, I have missing out. And help us share with some trusted Christian friends who leaders can come alongside you and help them. You can do counseling or whatever. Help you say, how about your willingness journey is about honoring God because I want to experience the flourishing life that God has. Married, and your sexual relationship with someone who is not your spouse, then same thing. Come to grips with it. Is this what God says? And if you believe so, then in confess to God, get some help with some folks to come alongside. If, you're on the, if you come to this place, this is a long journey. This is a long journey of reconciliation. And it's a great way to do it. It's a work that you can actually do to set aside yourself, make God the center of Him. And rebuild trust and admitting that to your spouse, rebuild trust and, and pursue what God wants you to do. This is power of resurrection that brings life out of death. So if you are in that situation, you're saying, you know, like, it's not going to work, it's going to be the death of you. Never, this will never happen, this will never turn out well. No, the power of resurrection is that God takes what is absolutely destructive and evil.
Amen.